discipline is really important. If you're disciplined with your approach to academics, athletics, their training and how they manage their times, and you're committed to trying to improve every day, then you're going to reach your full potential. That was Wheaton College head coach Kyle Hart. He's this week's guest on the Chasing the Goal podcast. Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast, the podcast for serious lacrosse players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their lacrosse careers. And now, here are your hosts, New England Lacrosse Journal's Kyle Devitt and Jack Piatelli. Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt. Alongside me, the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Piatelli. How are you? Great. We're wearing the Blazers shirt. I got I got my my Boston Bolts shirt on. We're we're throwbacking. We're we're ready to go in a new podcast. Very excited. You saw some good lacrosse last weekend up at Merrimack, correct? I did. I saw a lot of things that were great and a lot of things that really alarmed me going into the D1 season for one of those four teams. But it was great to be on the field, talk to the coaches. You got to get down and see the horses run, see the ponies go. And you get a better feel of, of each team and the culture as well. So it was a, it was a great, uh, great Sunday night. What's with all the rain, Kyle? It's New England, man. That's what we do. That's we, we got, we got different, different weather patterns here, I'll say, which I'm sure our guests today can attest to Wheaton College's Kyle Hart. How's it, what's up, man? How's it going? Thanks for, for having me on. This is, this is great. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's, we are only missing one other guy from our, our new Mac now that you've been on as the, the Emerson coach, but uh, you are here. So we will talk a lot about Wheaton, which I got to tell you, has nothing to do with you, but I have such a intense hatred for Wheaton for playing at Clark. <laughs> it was like natural rivals at everything. And yes, yes, Jack, we did lose, but we also won sometimes too. But they're very similar schools in, in how they're set up academically. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's a terrific rivalry, and I have so much respect for, for Coach Cohen over at Clark. He does a an amazing job. And uh, yeah, I, like you said, I, I agree. I think they're pretty similar schools and it's, it's really developed into a, a really strong rivalry over the years. So we're, we're excited about it. Coach, you're from Long Island, another Long Island native. We have a lot of native Long Island guys coming to Massachusetts. And transplants. Transplants. Thank you. And how did you end up at Muhlenberg coming from Long Island? That's where you played your, your college lacrosse. Tell me a little bit about your experience in high school. And it's just very rare that somebody from Long Island goes to Pennsylvania, Division Three school, and has an opportunity to play lacrosse. You had a good career there and ended up coaching there as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in Massapequa and, and played played high school lacrosse there. Terrific program. Really fortunate to, to, to have been a part of that program at, at the high school level as a player. And then just kind of going through the process, I was looking at a handful of schools. And I, I think initially what really actually drew me into to Muhlenberg was there was a potential for me to play two sports. I, I only wound up playing lacrosse, but there was the, 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 the potential for me to play football as well. So I, I think that's initially what drew me in, but it, it was a newer program when I arrived. So I, I think that was something I was pretty excited about. And, and I just, I just really fell in love with the campus. It was just had a great feel to it overall. And, and playing in the Centennial Conference, I think is something that's um, 
That's very exciting as well. It's a terrific league here. You're, you're competing against some of the some of the best teams in Division Three. So overall, just felt like it was a great opportunity. It was that distance was it was far enough from from home where you were kind of away from home, but it was close enough where you can kind of maintain those relationships back on on Long Island. So I, I felt like it was a really good fit. But yeah, it was a great experience, and I coached there for for three years after I graduated. It was really just supposed to be kind of like a one year deal as I kind of figured out what I wanted to do professionally and, and just completely fell in love with the coaching and, and never really looked back. So I was fortunate enough to be there for three years. Coach Bissinger gave my first opportunity to, to kind of break into the profession. So had a lot of fun doing it and it was a great place, great experience. So I'm really, really, really thankful for it. So you've been a full-time coach for over 10 years. How yeah. did you do that? Because coaching at the division three level is, that's hard to do actually. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I think starting out in those first three years at Muhlenberg, it was it was part time pay, but it's it's full time work. So you really got to kind of grind and and just scrape by. I, I was really lucky because I had part of my compensation was was like a free place to live that was that was like really close to campus so i had a a, a place to live i had a, maybe a meal plan and then like a five thousand dollar stipend so i really had everything like i had a roof over my head had food and like a little bit of extra money so i kind of just scraped by for like three years there and then there was an opportunity out in the midwest at augustana college and never been to the midwest before never had had really spent any time out there and interviewed for that job and was fortunate enough to to get that job and, and kind of earn my first full-time, full-time job at the, at the collegiate level. So went out there, started that program and yeah, had a great, a great experience out there as well. Yeah. Eight and six in your first season, the new program. How'd you, how'd you pull that off? Yeah. I, I think we just, we had, we had great, we had great kids. I think it, it was, it was just a, a fantastic place. I think it was, the sport was really exploding in the Chicago suburbs and, and has always been really strong out in Colorado. So those were two areas from a recruiting perspective that we really focused on. So I think we were able to attract some some pretty good talent right out of the gate. You kind of combine that with with Augustana. It was just a it was an awesome campus, has just 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 really strong athletic tradition. So ha- had a pretty strong start, but I give all the credit to the leadership at Augustana and and the the student athletes that were able to to, to attract and there were just there were just some great great guys there. Yeah, we, we've talked about two schools that I think people that are listening to this podcast probably haven't heard of very much because <laughs> the the thing about D three and I, this is why I love Division three right. There's like 400 teams. There are schools. There's going to be schools you haven't heard of. <laughs> You're gonna because there's gonna be opportunities for everyone to play lacrosse and I think that's one of the great things about it. But talking more about regional and recruiting and, and how you got kids into schools like that. When you came to Wheaton, how was that transition for you? Because looking at your roster, it's a ton of New England kids. Yeah, yeah. I think that's another great question. I, I'll be totally honest. It was something I completely underestimated when I first got here. It, it was uh, it was it was a challenge. I, I didn't I didn't really recruit the New England area. I'd have many relationships up in, in this part of the country. So kind of taking over a program, it, there's, there's certainly a lot that you learn. And I think that's one thing I learned is just how important kind of knowing the area from a, from a geographical perspective and, and also how important relationships are in, in the recruiting process. So it was something that definitely took me a lot of time to, to develop. So definitely something I, I, 
like I said, maybe underestimated a little bit, but I've been here now for seven or eight years and I feel like I've gotten to know, know, know a lot of different coaches, different club coaches. And, and now we've, we've really tapped into the, the, the local area from, for, for recruiting, which has been great. So now you're a Bostonian, you're a Red Sox fan, you're a Patriots <laughs> fan, right? right? Yeah. He doesn't settled, live in Connecticut. He settled in nicely. He doesn't live in Connecticut. He can't pick a team. He's still from, from New York. Yeah. Yeah. I, I live in Foxborough, so I, we do have Gillette right down the road, which is which is really cool. But yeah, I'm still still a Giant fan, and and all the New York teams, I, I still I still pull for. So, but yeah, no. All right, let's send the podcast right now. Yeah. Right? Hey, <laughs> it takes at least a decade to get them to switch, man. Trust me. Once they do, though, they don't go back. They don't go back. Yeah, it works out. Yeah. So, you find when you came here was in terms of recruiting that a lot of New England players like to stay in New England, especially at the Division Three level, and t- instead of trying to get maybe some New York players or Pennsylvania players or Long Island and so on and so forth? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think there's definitely niche for, for New England players that maybe want to stay a little bit closer to home. And, and I think Wheaton's a, a great great option for those, for those players and, and for those student-athletes. There's just so many amazing choices at, at every level, division one, two, and three for, for a college choice and, and to continue to be a student athlete at the collegiate levels in, in this area, New England. So that's always a challenge, but yeah, I, I think we've, we've done pretty well kind of locally in, in, in New England. So that's something that we're, we're just really excited about. So with all this competition you just spoke about, why, why am I going to Wheaton? Why am I choosing to get my education and have an opportunity to play lacrosse? Yeah, yeah, great question. I, I think it's a place that it's it's very connected, about 2,000 students overall. So you know, it's easy to develop relationships at, at a place like Wheaton. And I, I think um, just just being able to have the, the on-campus experience, I think, is also very exciting. But I think Wheaton's a place that really does prepare you for life after college. I think it's a place that you'll you'll learn the skills that you need in order to become and, and, and develop into a successful young professional, right? So I, I think that's that's there's a lot of value there. We have a guaranteed internship program, so every student that comes to Wheaton is, is guaranteed an internship within their four years of, of being a student at Wheaton. And then you combine that with, with the lacrosse experience. If you want to have a, a a, a really strong structured athletic experience division three level play play just a terrific brand of lacrosse in, in the in the new mac which i think is very exciting and also have the opportunity to 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 leave a legacy we've, we've never won a championship at, at wheaton and and that's that's certainly our goal so uh, do something that's never been done before and 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 just reach your full potential as a student athlete so i i think that's that's what makes us a great choice one of the things i noticed just looking at your roster tons of public school guys like like not not like half and half, but I think like two thirds of your guys are, are public school guys, which it doesn't surprise me per se. But you got kids from like Maine, Connecticut, and obviously New Hampshire, and I feel like the prevailing thought is that if you're doing that, you're not playing club sometimes, and especially on, on my team, I know I coach only have like three kids that play club, but a bunch of them could play in college. How are you seeing those guys, and does everyone that is on your roster play for? A club team or not? Yeah, I I think most do right now for the current class that we. It's interesting you bring that up because like our lat the last three commitments we've we've gotten for the current twenty twenty three class don't they didn't play club. But yeah, most most the the guys that we that we recruit are are playing with a competitive club team. But there there definitely are some exceptions. I think in our 
current freshman class, there's out of the 13 that we have, I want to say two or three didn't play club. So the majority usually do. Yeah. I think it's, it's just kind of getting out there and, and being out on the road in the summertime and in the fall, I think is really important for a college coach and getting to, to recruiting events and, and just being, being there to evaluate is, is, um, is huge. But also if you have the opportunity to go to a local high school game and, and connect with the high school coach, I think there's a lot of value in that as well. Now, speaking of just summer recruiting, what was your summer like going back and forth? Because I think you switched assistants coming into this year. So how many things did you have to go to? How much of that was your time? How much did you go in New England and outside of New England to, to go to recruiting events? Yeah, it was it was a busy summer. Yeah, we we had Coach Blood join the staff, and, and really excited to have Coach on board with us. It, it was it was very active. The events I went to were up in New England, but you know, got out to Long Island, was out in New Jersey, and and went down to Baltimore. So kind of on the the East Coast there, and so 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 that was great. And yeah, our our, our oldest is Coach Brands left us in, in like early August, so Coach Blood got got on board shortly after. So. There, there was, uh, there wasn't too much on my plate. Coach, Coach Brands did a did a phenomenal job recruiting and and just connecting and, and building a terrific rapport with with her players on a roster. So it was a pretty easy transition, and and I, I, I worked hard. It was really busy, but I was really fortunate to to have those those great assistants that that were that were on board. Kyle, you were a multi sport athlete in high school. You wanted to pursue football didn't work out for you. What are your thoughts on multi-sport athletes and how many of your players on your roster are multi-sport athletes? Yeah, I I, uh, I think playing multiple sports is is phenomenal. I certainly encourage it. Last year, we, we had a swim and lacrosse student athlete who was a terrific, terrific athlete for us and just finished up last year. A guy named Brennan McIntyre from out on the Cape there. So, we don't have any current two-sport guys on the roster this year, but we're always looking. We don't have football at, at Wheaton, but soccer, any other sport. But were they, were they multi-sport athletes prior to coming to Wheaton, a number of them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mo- I, I feel like most are. Definitely, definitely a, I think, a value add in playing multiple sports. I think I I'm definitely encourage it. What, what would you, what's your best combination if you're going to make one? Two and three sport. Like, what's what's the best translation to lacrosse? Oh man, I, I that's a really good question. I I think I would say basketball. I, I think a lot of the concepts really translate over. I, I think the footwork defensively is really similar. I, I I just think there's a lot of similarities between the the two games. Hockey's another great one. I think hockey teaches a lot of a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. I was really good too in soccer. I, I think that's that's a good one as well. But if I had to choose one, I, I think I would I would go with basketball. Yeah. I think that actually I've I've changed on this. I used to think it was like basketball, lacrosse and like that's the best guy. But I think if you can get someone that plays football, basketball and lacrosse, yeah. That kid is that potential there just athletically and the IQ that they have to have to play those other two sports, you can have them play any position. Yeah, I agree. You want some players that can pick up ground balls, get you hockey players. Yeah. Right? You want some players that can play good defense, get you basketball players. Right. Kids want, that can run all day, you know, soccer players. Soccer players. Here, uh, run in a straight line, go. Look, 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 <laughs> lacrosse IQ, basketball. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's fair. I, I always think it's interesting to, to talk to coaches about this because the – skill set that you need to play different sports does translate to lacrosse 
but I do find it hilarious. Like I, I've coached a bunch and I would play basketball with my kids as like conditioning and it's hilarious how bad they are at it. <laughs> like it, like I'm just like, wow, yeah. you play lacrosse though. You're one of the best players and you can't dribble a ball. Like to yeah. me, that's like crazy. But then I think about you're playing other sports like baseball and stuff. I can't, I couldn't, I, I can't throw a ball. Can you throw a ball? <laughs> basketball? Jack? No, a, a baseball. Can you throw a baseball? Yeah, I, I was a catcher. I can, I, I, I can throw a ba- I can throw a baseball. You can't I, play I, basketball though. No, I can't. <laughs> Horrible. I know you can't either at five feet. Hey, I can't. <laughs> hey, hey, who's got a state title? You. This guy. <laughs> wow. That's right. Okay. Off the bench, forty seconds of the championship game. How do you like that? Wow. Did you get any points in the championship Absolutely game? Absolutely not. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Zero percent. Nice. Five fouls yeah. and a couple foul shots. That's that's what I was. Just and you go in and hurt the foul the shots. No, I mean, I'm oh. on like a oh, 70%. Wow. I play pickup. We should we should play. That's what we should do. <laughs> a little one-on-one. There's a, there's a coaches league, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, like one other time, I think with, with, with Jerry Byrne. There's a league. If you go to all these recruiting events, the coaches will like – do like little drafts and play mini leagues. Oh yeah, during during the summer. Which, oh yeah, uh, a little basketball is very competitive. I miss. It's fun. Yeah, you should go to a, one of those have, basketball games. I have. Oh, yeah. okay. I scored on Kip Turner. Did a throat cut on him. It was great. Nice. <laughs> it was great. Kip's gonna hate that. Don't take that out. But yeah, no. I, I I always like talking to coaches about their different sports. And what did you? What position did you play in football? I was like a tight end receiver in in high school. Um. So yeah, yeah, more. More of a tight end receiver guy. Yeah, it makes sense because you're massively tall. <laughs> yeah. That translates. That translates. Yeah. New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal will return after this message. Dedication, skills, focus, and drive to play at the highest level. Laxachusetts is committed to providing the coaching and curriculum that will allow boys and girls to learn and grow as individuals and as teammates. With an emphasis on skill development and academic excellence, Their players have led the country in college recruiting for the past 10 years. With over 800-plus players moving on to play in college and over 130-plus high school All-Americans, Laxachusetts has been able to set the nationwide standard unmatched in the sport of lacrosse. To learn more, log on to www.laxachusetts.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Kyle, did I ever tell you that I played professional box lacrosse for the Boston Blazers back in the late 80s and early 90s? You know what, Jack? I don't think it's ever come up. Well, I did, and it totally transformed my game. And I only wish I had started playing box lacrosse early in my career. The fast pace of the game and the confined space of the box forced me to develop a new set of skills that made me a better field lacrosse player. This is why Piatelli Lacrosse is launching the Piatelli Stallions box lacrosse program and we will be holding tryouts on november 13th for youth players and november 16th for high school players at four kicks in marlboro mass starting this fall players will participate in box lacrosse training sessions scrimmages and compete in box tournaments over the winter our coaching staff is comprised of box lacrosse legends like bruce chanichuk peter schmitz dave desco 
and John Piatelli, who was just drafted by the Albany Firewolves of the National Lacrosse League. Of course, I will be there too. For more information of the Stallions Box Lacrosse Program, visit PiatelliLacrosse.com. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England lacrosse? New England Lacrosse Journal and LaxJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England lacrosse scene. Have every issue of New England Lacrosse Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to LaxJournal.com to receive daily digital lacrosse coverage on club lacrosse, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by logging on to laxjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Lacrosse Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful. Tell me a little bit about your philosophy and with your team regarding offense and what kind of offense you like to run. Do you have a scripted plays offense? Would you like free-flowing offense? What are you looking for in terms of your players and how they fit with your offense and what kind of offense you like to run? Yeah, I, I think just from a strategic perspective, there's I, I think you have to have a kind of like a base set, something that you can really fall back on and, and just something that you can kind of go to really at at any moment, something that, you know, that you can just get just one thing that you can just get really, really good at doing. I think kind of what we look for, some of the tangibles are, are guys that, that have a good motor. I think guys that offensive players that can gain separation off the dodge and, and draw slides. I think that's really important. But yeah, I think that offensively, we, 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 I like to give our guys kind of a set and some rules, right? That, that are kind of five or six rules offensively, right? You've, you, you got to dodge a score, right? You got to be able to create space for the dodger. We want outlet in front, in front of the ball behind the ball we we want to dodge and, and draw a slide and just just keep putting pressure on the defense with good ball movement just keep hitting keep hitting singles and and then just kind of re-attack off off that ball movement so really anything that we do I think all those 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 five or six rules just kind of translate to really any set that we run but try to have something maybe just one thing that you're really good at doing and then just kind of as the season goes maybe just kind of add in some some different wrinkles offensively, just different things that, that can kind of just provide you with a little bit of an advantage. So that's that's what we try to do. And, and, and every team every year is a little bit different too. So I think you kind of have to think about what your strengths are and, and, and try to come up with a scheme strategy kind of around what, what, what your player strengths are. Do you like to attack from the midfield or, or the attack or it really depends on the personnel you have on the field? Yeah, I, I think I think a little bit of both, but I, I think it depends on the personnel that we have on the field. I, I, I think we we really like to to kind of get get going right out of the sub box. That's that's been something that I've kind of kind of kept. So just you know, that third guy stepping on, just throw the ball up to him and and just just kind of initiate your offense right out of the sub box, and then kind of depending on your strengths or kind of where you feel like you have an advantage, maybe some stuff off the end line or a big little, or maybe like a pairs look kind of in the alley. So there's, there's a lot of different things you can do, but yeah, I definitely like to initiate right, right out of the sub game. I, I, I think that's, that's definitely been a strength of ours. We talked about this before, not on the podcast, obviously, but I know you like the shot clock. How has that changed your style of coaching? What did you have to change with the shot clock coming into play? Yeah, I, I think the shot clock has been a, a, a great change for the game. Uh, I think it's it's really cut out all of the, the 
the dead kind of the dead air, I guess, or just like the, you, know, you like every second counts, like the way you sub, you, you, you got to sprint through the midline, you got to sprint through the box and, and you don't have to rush with the shot clock and, and, and try to, but, but you got to play faster. You got to play with, with a, with a certain amount of purpose and tempo. So I, I think that's really, I think it's been a change for the better. And, and you know, I think strategically it's, it's, it's definitely kind of shaped how, how you attack, how you maybe, maybe how you go at teams. So I, I think it's been a great change. Talking to a couple of coaches last couple of years, one of the things they said to me, the consensus was that the most challenging part of the shot clock was the substitutions yeah. and getting the guys on the field at the right time. Now teams are obviously riding more than they did in the past with 20 seconds to get it over the midfield line. Did you find that it was a little more challenging in the box versus maybe on the offensive end of the field and even actually clearing the ball? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I think it definitely became a little bit more challenging. I mean, it, you, you couldn't just, I think, I think the bit, you know, one of the biggest, you couldn't just hold the ball. You couldn't just like get into a double invert and just kind of run around back, back behind the goal. You, you, you kind of have to put shots up, but yeah, I think it definitely, you, you have to just be cleaner in, in your sub game, kind of getting your guys out quicker. And then I think just kind of initiating your offense a little bit quicker. And then, and then if, if you, you run out on the shot clock, just all right, we got three seconds on the shot clock. Like, let's just let's just get back and ride and, and try to get it back in the ride. So, I, I, I think it's definitely forced coaches to adjust um, and and kind of tweak how they how they do things. But I, I think it's again, I think it's been a really good change. Now, unless my math is wrong, which it might be, I'm not a math major, and unless you have guys coming back for graduate years, you're losing a hundred points. Yeah, from last season. <laughs> so even. 100 points even. Wow. How do you replace that level of offense? Yeah, I think that's a great question. We unfortunately don't have any fifth-year guys. Um, we, we, we soon will. We soon, soon will have, it sounds like, some, some plus, one, plus one programs. So excited about that. But I, I think it's really just the next man up mentality. I think we've got a terrific senior class that's, that's going to do a great job from a leadership perspective. And yeah, that's that's a lot of points. There's there's definitely some big shoes to fill, but I, I think we have some guys that are ready that that have been working really hard these last four years that are ready ready to step into some big roles for us and and combine that with a good freshman class. I think we recruited pretty well, so we have some other guys that that I think will promote a lot of competition and 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 really 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 push. So we should have some good depth as well. Yeah, your your two leading goal scorers, I should say, are coming back for yeah. the senior year. Twenty seven points from from Shane Ross as well as 21 or 27 goals and from Shane Ross and 21 from Robert Sullivan. So that's still coming. Yeah. Like you still got, you still got some points coming, but that is, that is the most I can remember looking at a roster, a coach losing going into a new season. So I, I think it's, it's interesting and it's, it's clearly challenging to win in the new Mac, yeah. right? Like, and we talk about this all the time, not just because Jack and I happen to go to schools that are in the new Mac, but it's, it's a murderer's row, man. And it's all sorts of teams that are getting better every year. MIT, Babson, Springfield, not Clark as of late, Coast Guard. All, all these teams are, are generally in or around the top 20, if not the top 30 in the country. Yeah, it's a phenomenal conference. And it's only going to just continue to get better and better. And Salvi Regina is coming in in 2024. So I, I think they're going to raise the bar even more so yeah it's a terrific league and and we're really excited to be a part of it and i think our goal is is to just try to get a little better each day just try to 
just try to show up and just try to be consistent with, with our approach, kind of with how we train and just, just kind of how we, we respond to things. So it's, 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 there's some great competition and, and we're really, really fired up to, to be in the league. Let's talk a little bit more about your training. We had Babson coach Rocky Batty on here and he was telling us that he's like involved in the player's nutrition after, after practices, after games and making sure guys get the right fuel there that they need trainers, off season training, weight room sessions. I, I think everybody is kind of like, Oh yeah, of course you do all that while you're playing college lacrosse. But specifically, is there one thing that, that you guys do that you think has really improved you in the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I think um, just really making a, a strong commitment to, to the weight room year round. I, I think that's you know, that's that's just kind of been a, a, a standard that, that we've had. And, and once a standard becomes an expectation, you, you, you got to raise the standard. So I think just having a real strong commitment to to the weight room. We have, we also, we, we implemented a wall ball test and a, and, a, and a run test. I think that's also been really good for us. And if, if you don't, if you don't pass your run or, or your wall ball test, then you, you, you got to earn your game jersey, right? So it, if you don't pass your run or, or your wall ball test, you, you don't, you don't get to play in the game. So everyone's got to kind of earn it. And I think it puts just a little bit more of an emphasis on training you around and, and just trying to control the controllables. You, you, you can always improve your stick, right? You can always do one more set in the weight room, one more rep, right? So just trying to get as strong as we can. And, and you have complete control over your conditioning level as well. So just having a standard, I think, for all those phases is, is I think, really important. I think that's, that's definitely kind of helped us as, as we evolve. What's your run test? Oh man, we, we is changed it beep? It. It's not the beep test, is it? No, no. We, well, yeah. So we do one in the, in the fall and one in the spring. So it's two. Yeah. This fall we did two 300 yard shuttles with an average time of 52 seconds and you get, you get like a two minute break in between. So yeah, definitely challenging. You got to be in shape to do it. And then we don't tell the guys what it's going to be in the spring. We just tell them it's going to be harder. So they have to, they have to work. So if you're like a top end guy and, and you're, you're, you're crushing the run test, well, you know what, you got it. You got to continue to, to try to get faster and be in even better shape. Cause you don't, you don't know what it's going to be when you get back. So we just tell them it's going to be more challenging in the spring. So, and, and they've responded really well to that. And it's, it's been a great group. How has your fall ball gone and what's your kind of fall ball schedule that you went through? Yeah, fall ball was awesome. We just finished up this past weekend. So we did four weeks, four practices over a four week period. And then we'll, on days that we practice, we'll lift twice a week in the morning. So I, I think the fall for us, we really have three goals. I, I think number one, it's just try to make each practice as competitive as we can and just really high energy, high level practice, two hours where we're really just between the lines, just getting getting after trying to get as many as many reps as many touches as we can and and then the second is is really just trying to just continue to build our weight room culture with, with the morning lifts which is just getting our guys up a, a little early and and getting in the weight room and, and just training there and and then third just trying to put some things in strategically just some real basic things on each side of the ball but yeah we we scrimmaged up at LaSalle on Friday night and then we played our alums in the morning which is like terrible planning on my part we, we played like two games and in like 10 hours, which is, uh, it was a lot, but the guys did a great job. They handled it really well. So overall, it was, it was a great fall. We got exactly out of it what, what we wanted to. I always liked when coaches were like, oh, we'll lift in the morning. I always found running in the morning awful. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Like it just, it never clicked. All the kids hated it, but lifting, I feel is like it's much easier to do in the morning for me. I think that is for a lot of people as well. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not, not for me, uh, no. <laughs> but yeah. No, tell me, tell me why. I don't, I don't know. I just, yeah, I've, I've never been a, a, a morning lift guy, I guess, but, but I, I think for, yeah, I think it's been great for guys. I, I think it's a really good habit to develop. You just kind of get up early and, and, and we can also, if we lift on days that we're practicing, we can also just get eyes on our young guys and just make sure that they have the right form. We'll bring one of our strength coaches in and, and just kind of make sure guys are lifting the right way so they can take those habits with them into the off season and, and kind of do things on their own the, the correct way. Um, you know, we get, we get six weeks off and, and where they're away from us, they're away from campus. So they really have to continue to, to train and get stronger. And so the, the lifting technique I think is really important. And really the only way to do that is just getting up early and, and kind of doing it together. So it's been really good. Tupac question, roster size, uh, what do you like to bring in and have on your roster? And how many how many recruits do you bring in every year normally? And, and talk a little bit about some of your freshman recruits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think 40 is a really good number. I think we're at 41 right now. So you know, I've done it all different ways. I've, I've had more than that. I've had less. I think it's a really fine line with your roster size. And I, I think really the goal is is you want you want every guy to, to have a role. I think that's really important. So, and I think from a practice perspective, we're in, we're in the pursuit of the highest quality reps we, we can possibly get each guy. So if you have 60 guys, that I think with your coaching staff ratio, it's, it's, I think it's a little tough to do that, but you know, if you have 20 guys or 24 guys, it could be tough to kind of hold up for a full season just from an, from an injury perspective. So I think 40 is, is a really good number from a recruiting standpoint just numbers wise, it really depends on kind of what we have graduating and, and what, what our needs are. But I'd say, you know, really anywhere between 12 and 14 is, is kind of an average, um, or yeah, from an, from just like a pure numbers perspective is kind of an average recruiting size. I, I always say you need, there's three things you need in each class. I think you need a left-handed offensive player, either attacker, midfielder, you, you need a face-off guy and you need a goalie. And then kind of the other, the other spots that you have really depend on kind of what your, what your needs are and what you're going to graduate. So that, that's really how we look at it. How many guys who come in, what are the percentages? I know not, it's probably small, but a number of players come in, have certain expectations and over time they can't handle the expectations, the challenges, the time commitment, the competition. Do you have that in mind when you bring in 12 to 14 guys that some of these guys aren't going to be here when they're juniors and seniors as well? Yeah, you, you do. I think it's, you have to build that into your recruiting for sure. I think what I've learned is, is in the recruiting process, like you, you just have to really lay it out there for, for the recruits and you just have to really make sure that they know exactly what your program's values are and, and what your standard, what your standards are and, and exactly what it's going to be. And, and I think if you do that, you, you guys always, there's, there's always a ton of reasons why guys drop off a roster and, and most of them are just completely out of your control. But if, I think if you do, if you share that message and, and you're transparent with guys in the recruiting process, you know, right from the jump, then it, 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 you don't, you don't have as much of that, but yeah, I do think you need to be prepared for it and kind of build it into your recruiting. Getting to know your recruits is very important for those reasons. When they come in, they know what the expect expectations are and you know, what kind of a person player commitment they're going to make to the program. What kind of things do you do to get to know these players? So when they walk on campus, they're really suited for your program. Yeah, I, I think just just try to build a relationship with them and, and try to try to build a rapport. I, I think 
just kind of asking them what they want out of their college experience and, and kind of where they see, see lacrosse fitting into that experience. I, I think that's a really important question to ask, but I, I think just trying to just kind of have conversations with them, get to know them, get to know their families. I, I think it's really important that you get, you get to know the, the, the parents as well and you know, that they're involved in, in the recruiting process as well. So I, I think reaching out to club or high school coaches, I, I think is, is great as well. They can always give you some good insight, but you never really know until, until they're there playing for you, you kind of how it's going to go. So I, I think it's, it's like a job interview almost. It's kind of like a similar process, but I think you just try to do the best job you can with asking questions and, and just trying to build a relationship. So once they do get on campus, they're, they're ready. And, and they also know that, that you're a guy that, you know, that that's going to be there. That's, that's going to support them and, and just kind of be the same guy that's going to show up and be the same guy every day. So the guy that you, I mean, the coach that they recruited, Sometimes the coaches that are recruiting a player are different when they end up on campus. So your point is you're the same guy when you're recruiting a player as when they are on campus. I, yeah, I, tr- I try to be. I try, I try, I try my hardest to, to do that. I think that's really important. But, but yeah, it's, it's, recruiting is it's not an exact science. No, it's not at all. And, and, um, and there's a lot of moving parts. But, yeah, I think just trying to be consistent is really important. And that's – I make – a ton of mistakes don't don't get me wrong but yeah that's that's something i really try to stick to yeah just to build on that i had a conversation last week with a d1 coach and i was kind of like oh man coming recruiting it's like it's really hard i gotta call like so many people he goes he goes ka you're just you can screw up no one cares i'm recruiting kids for my livelihood i i I need 16 17 year old kids to like be what i think they are or we're not going to win games, and then I'm not going to have a job. And I'm kind of just like, oh, I'm going to shut up now. You know what I mean? Like, you get put in your place real quick because it is so hard to – because you're not – people just think that, oh, I'm looking tape. I'm evaluating how good he is. This is what he's going to do for my program. You're not doing that. You are evaluating them as people. And I think if more kids understood that, that, like, people see, like, getting to the school as their destination. No, 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 no. That's the beginning. The beginning is you finishing high school and going to college. If you're not the same person and getting better, then you're not going to have fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, and you're not going to fulfill your potential. And I think that's a huge part of the rec- that gets lost in recruiting, gets lost in I committed here. I got announced on Instagram. I, all these people care about all this and nonsense. teammates went here. It is nonsense because no matter where you go, you need to have a commitment to the place where you're at. And, st- and you can't be looking everywhere else. And we haven't asked you about Transfer Portal yet, but I will. But I, it's, it's, it, the, the commitment is a starting line. Right. So the finish is diploma. Yes. Correct? 100%. And, and a lot of players think the commitment is, it's, all right, I made it. Yeah, right. I'm, I made it. Here we it. go. Yep. You know what? I play every minute of every game. I scored 100 points in high school. You get to college. Even more so today, Division One, Two, II, and Three. How many freshmen at one, two, and three, come in and are impact players and play the entire game. There's very few. Yeah. There's very, very few at any level. And those are the players you got to find who understand that, to quote a coach talking to a recruit, you will play for me. I don't know when you'll play, Hmm. but you will play. It might be your freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, or senior year. That I can guarantee you. So, coach, let's follow up on that. What's the one intangible you want to see from a kid 
the second he sets foot on campus for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Man, one intangible. I, I think I think discipline. I, I think if if you're disciplined with your approach and you're you're just you're committed to to just trying to improve every day, then then you're 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 gonna reach your full potential. So I, I think that's something that just kinda how how structured that student athlete is kinda with their approach to the academics, athletics, their their training and, and just kinda how they how they manage the time. So yeah, I think discipline's really important. All right, Coach, we want to thank you for coming in. Really appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was. 41 minutes went by quick. (laughs) It flew by. Yeah, great job. Yeah, thank you so much. That's That's how we do it. That was great. Thanks again for listening to New England Cross Journal's Chasing the Gold podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Gold podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Also listen to the podcast on the website, laxjournal.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at NELaxJournal, Instagram at New England Lacrosse Journal, Lax Journal on Facebook, and our email address, chasingthegoal at laxjournal.com. Join us again next time as we go chasing the goal. Chasing the Goal, a Siemens Media Podcast.